Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everybody and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week we bring you insights into film, television, online and so much more. This week we're talking VR. We're going to deep dive into it and where it's at at the moment and future opportunities. And we have a special guest to talk specifically about this subject in depth. Thank you so much, Eugene, for coming on the show. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Do you want to just tell the audience who you are and a little bit about you in a couple of minutes, your background and what you're doing now? Yeah, so my name is Eugene Kappen. I'm a multifaceted artist and a VR evangelist. Uh, That means I go on stages and I talk about the future of social VR, uh, where it's going, as well as I am the host of a talk show called Glitched, which is the first, uh, or at least to our knowledge, the first VR talk show that's ever been ordered like a TV show. And it's very, very unique in that it's a show about VR, but it's in VR. So the presenters are in VR with their guests and recording the show for everyone. That's that's right. Uh, We just got done doing season two. Um, Each season has about six episodes. Uh, We're currently in planning stages and trying to uh, rev up sponsorships and that sort of thing so we can have a season three. And uh, the first season was in Allspace, um, which uh, was one of the big social VR platforms until it went under in August. And th- which was kind of a kind of a shock to everybody because we thought they were doing so well. And then when that happened, we became our show kind of became free for other opportunities. And High Fidelity reached out and was like, "Hey, we think you guys have a great product, have a great show. You guys are really funny, and we would love to have you come and do that thing on on our platform." And we'd like to, you know, sign you guys to a six-episode deal right now. Awesome. So everyone was thinking the alt space was doing well. It seemed like it was in a good trajectory. Any any knowledge of like why it didn't work out in the end? You know, it it, it just came as kind of a shock to everybody. I mean, like they had um, when when they first started, they were like, "We're going to have sixteen big shows in VR." And they had some huge names. They had like Reggie Watts. They had Justin Roiland, who created Rick and Morty. They had Josh, which is Sarah Silverman, Michael Sarah, Tim and Eric. Uh, they had Bill Nye, the Science Guy, ESPN. And then they had, well, me and uh, my co-host to- for Welsh. And we just had this kind of funny offbeat talk show that kind of made fun of the, the VR platform. And we, we ended up with some amazing guests, both as VR professionals and as like um, internet personalities. The yeah. biggest being Barnacles and Nerdgasm, who has, God, I think he's so close to a million subscribers on YouTube right now. It's a lot of, a lot of listeners and audience viewers there. I'm wondering, I'm really interested to know where you feel the um, opportunities of monetizing and actually making this a profitable um, medium is that at the moment? Or is it still just too early to be able to tell? No, no, no. I can tell you exactly where it's going to go because it's the same as um, YouTube, for instance. Um, I mean, you're going to be able to 
run ads in some way in front of you know virtual reality as you're uh, going into a platform. This is what I, I see kind of the future of the medium going. Uh, and then you're going to have you know brand sponsorships. You're going to be selling in VR ad space. Uh, you're going to be doing plugs or you know content that is specialized uh, in terms of product placement. And you know those are kind of the vehicle methods that we're currently looking at as far as trying to get our season three off the ground. Yeah. Product placements, it's an interesting one. Uh, you don't have to be so subtle of having that can of Coke in the background. You could have a giant can that you have literally walk into. <laughs> it's, well, well, it's kind of interesting. We, um, one of our pitch ideas for uh, um, like a coffee company we were talking to was because we're in VR, we can build a procedurally uh, – well, it wouldn't be procedurally. It would be a um, – we thought it would be fun to build a coffee cannon that shot – products out at the audience so you know you can have a cup of coffee you can have a cup of coffee you can have a cup of coffee and then each awesome. uh can would have a code on it and then they could take that code and redeem it in real life for a free can yeah as a thank you for coming to our show nice nice there's just so many opportunities in this space and mine just mind-blowing when it comes to what the possibilities are i had um I've got a few social media groups and um, I've got a Slack group and for the pro video podcast and things and sort of put it out there. What are people interested to know about VR? And one of the responses that I got was pretty much saying that the feeling was that AR was going to be bigger than VR. Um, and I'm just wondering, what's your thoughts on that? Is VR a stepping stone in the trajectory of this technology to get so to AR? So I actually put the, the two kind of in the same box mm -hmm. because we, we do have a, a, a spectrum of what we're working with. I mean, when, when you type, talk about any type of XR medium, uh, you usually have to look at how one is going to influence the other. And so like, for instance, if you were doing daily life stuff and, you know, eventually everybody's going to have little contacts that you wear or glasses that, you know, change the world around you, you know, AR. But say you're doing more work environment stuff, you're going to be inside of VR. It, it, it's not that one is going to replace the other or the two are actually combating each other in, in any way. It's, it's like um, a hammer and a screwdriver. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be putting some sort of piece of metal into wood, but the right tool for the right job, right? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. It feels like um, the development cycle for VR, which is a lot further along in adoption and integration into um, experiences right now, is mimicked by AR and that it's still on that adoption curve a lot further back. So with VR, it gives us a lot of opportunities to see where the um, real potential is. But at the same time, you've got to put it on this headset, and it's, this, and it's an environment that um, you're completely separate from the world around. Do you feel that VR is going to become more and more integrated into the world with those experiences? And I'm thinking like theme parks, where they're actually set up already, basically walk into this VR experience and using the physical spaces around you. There are a lot of places like that already kind of set up. Um, I know Sansar VR is set up kind of like that. 
Uh, you have things like VR chat. You have uh, high fidelity, uh, which you know we're we're biased towards right now because you know they you know fund me doing things. Those experiences are really what you make of them, and I know that they're just going to get more and more advanced as time goes on. I mean that's the uh, that's the nature of technology. Somebody's going to take an idea, they're going to push it as far as they can take it, and then you know pass it on to somebody else, or we create a a new technology to completely replace it. Yeah. Um, I think gameplay is one of the big driving forces inside of virtual reality. Uh, the other ones would be education and pornography. Uh, everybody tends to leave pornography kind of out of the wind because, you know, it, it does well by itself. <laughs> uh, but um, VR uh, is the most uh, empathetic technology we've ever created. Mm. Um, when I first started into VR, we, I, I volunteered at a, an event called CIFX, uh, the Seattle International Film Festival Experience. And I, I didn't have a ton of VR experience yet, but I wanted to, you know, absorb as much as I could, you know, bring it all into, you know, my, my own learning curve. And so I volunteered because I thought, you know, I'm going to play games that haven't been released yet. I'm going to see some crazy movies that are just going to blow my mind. And what I ended up doing was I was helping people get into uh, six different experiences by Nani de la Pena who is arguably one of the biggest contributors to the biggest female contributors to virtual reality as a whole. And she was a immersive journalist uh, with 20 plus years of experience. And she created these super intense experiences where uh, one was like a domestic abuse experience and the audio you were listening to was from a real 911 call. Mm. Or you were in a uh, Syrian refugee camp and it gets bombed. Or you're out in line at a food bank and the guy in front of you basically goes into, into shock from a lack of insulin and dies. He goes into a coma and dies in front of you. Yeah, And the, these are very much drawn on real experiences and being able to take this technology that allows you to step into somebody else's shoes and fulfill a role in something that's based on real life, either audibly or visually. I mean, yeah. that has some real impact. Uh, you, when I tried the Syrian refugee uh, experience, I, I wore a rumble pack. So when the bombs dropped, I could feel the rumble of the buildings in my chest, and it just made it that much more real with the that sense of haptic feedback. Yeah, yeah. Um, I work for an advertising agency, and one of our clients is New Zealand Fire Service, and they built a VR experience um, called Escape My House, and they filmed um, a burning house and looking at the escape routes and how fast that fire um, actually engulfs a whole house. So it's a learning experience, but also a visual opportunity to put people in the center of a house fire that they could no other, no other way do practically in real life. So we've, we've had some, um, 
real insights into how to apply that for education in New Zealand for our client as well. Having that extra level of haptic feedback, that's where it really gets interesting of tricking your mind like and I think that those those extra layers of interaction are going to become more and more part of this experience. But I'm still wondering: is it just an experience that a few? Uh, it's a niche market at the moment. It feels like. And what's the bigger reality for the general population? Is it, is it going to become an, something that a lot more people are going to engage with? So with, with any new society changing technology, you have what's called a 10-year adoption rate, which is really anywhere between 8 and 12 years. Uh, we are in year three of our 10-year adoption rates. And with any new adoption rate, you always get people going, oh, this will never take off. It'll, it'll never t- you know, take hold in our society. The numbers just aren't strong enough yet. And well, yeah, you got to wait through the entire, you know, eight to 12 years for it to actually mature and take place. Uh, our technology right now does usually get a little bit faster than it did in previous years. But you have the same sort of, you know, naysayers and people who didn't see that 10-year adoption rate with things like the television, radio. There were people saying electricity will never... Uh, become part of our society and you know those people were 100% dead wrong so while not everybody has a VR headset uh, we are getting into the point where um, social media aspects are taking over I mean you have uh, 360 video on YouTube and Facebook and even though uh, 360 video has actually been around since like 94 when Apple was developing it uh, I, I still like to kind of count it as part of uh, its this this cycle. I mean, we are in like the third wave of what VR can be, and the first two times it didn't it didn't exactly take off. Uh, yeah. We did have you know some people that were trying to take cheaper things to market just because well the technology wasn't there, but things with like the Oculus and the HTC Vive. Now the technology is finally mature enough for society to absolutely adopt it. And now we just have to wait, you know, the other six years. Yeah. So this show is very much focused on professionals working in film and television um, with various roles, whether that's directing, cinematography, editing, color grading, motion design, 3D. Um, what are the opportunities for those out there listening right now to get into VR and make it actually part of their offering? What would you suggest to those listeners? So I, I definitely think uh, we're at the point of coding films and filming games is what I like to say. And basically what that means is we are mixing mediums in such a way that it's giving way for infinite potential. Uh, I just saw a video game not too long ago that was 100% claymation, which just blew my mind. And then at the same time, I saw a film series called Adam, which was basically done with 3D models and then rendered inside of a game engine. And that just really is opening up doors. Um, For somebody like me, when I came into this whole thing, 
I had 10 years as an art director. Uh, I started at Curiosity as an intern, and three months later I got hired as their art director, which was a huge step up for me. And then, you know, I worked at some other places. I did stuff for Hathlow and Healy Entertainment back when they were making scare tactics. And when I got out of college with my bachelor's degree in YouTube studies, um, I ended up working at a place called Press Play Consulting, which is a YouTube consulting agency uh, ran by Julian Travis. And now, uh, when, when I was there, a individual who was working at Microsoft showed me this test project that he had started and had really just dug into the concept of virtual reality once the Gear VRs became available. And he had a test project where it was Disney's Iron Giant walking over, picking you up, and walking. And I, when I tried this experience, I'd never seen VR before, and my mind was just blown to the point that I saved up for the next three months, and then I quit my job to pursue virtual reality full-time. When was that? Hmm? When was that? How long ago was that? Oh, that was uh, going on three years ago. Right. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. So, so I've been at this two or three years, um, and the first thing I did was I, I jumped into CIFX, tried that stuff, realized there's so much more, and then I volunteered to work on a project called Journey VR for the Seattle uh, Fashion Week. They were like, yeah, we want to try VR at our thing. Nobody really had, you know, any huge VR projects yet. I mean, like, Into the Blue was a thing. Uh, People were starting to work on shooters. And I was like, how do I make, like, a 10-minute VR piece that uh, I can make in 28 days? You know, that's just not a lot of time. So I grabbed um, the composer Adrian Ladelia, and I was like, okay, I want to do this 10-minute VR space experience it's just a 360 video. It's completely uh, CGI, computer-generated graphics. And in 28 days, we, we got this project done. It, it was very bare bones. Yeah. But because you know I had that background, it was easy for me to draw on what I knew, teach myself the differences, and then get a product out the door. Yeah. And we took that thing to every film festival we possibly could, uh, and then when it got picked up at SIF, uh, which is the Seattle International Film Festival, uh, they done away with the uh, experience and they just added VR as an element to the main show at this uh, a year later. Um, some of the guys over at Steam saw it and they were like, hey, we think this is a perfect project for Steam as far as like the 360 video rental goes. And that was a new program that they had just started. And so I ended up getting distribution for this film right off the bat. And I was like, oh, crap, I can make money doing VR now. This changes everything. So it's, it's been kind of a up-and-down slope as far as like finding work in the VR community. Um, it's, it's been a lot of hype. Then it's a lot of growth. And then like no hype, no growth. But VC money tends to still come into, like, different projects. Like, I, I definitely see agencies, like, within continuously growing, and that makes me super happy. Uh, I see uh, companies like Pixar and DreamWorks putting money into 
um, VR experiences to go along with their uh, computer animated films, uh, yeah. like Coco, uh, which is a phenomenal movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, I guarantee you will cry during this film. Uh, I, I know I did, and yeah. I looked around like, okay, everybody's doing it. It's not just me. I'm not being a pansy right now, but you know, aliens are cool. So let's do this. So it, the monetary op- opportunities—it's something I'm really interested in for the professional industry. And so um, those types of experiences at um, you know the studio level there's going to be a very few small number who are working on that. Do you feel that the likes of Steam and other platforms online is a real opportunity for producing and distributing content right now still for uh, uh, more people? Um, if if my current tracker, track record is any indication, I see more yeah. of this coming along. I mean, building a full set on uh, of a for a TV show or something costs so much money, especially if it's animated and you're paying people to, you know, animate characters and stuff. It's so much easier to just put on a headset, grab a proper microphone and some trackers all over your body and have a live show and just do the, like the tracking in real time. I mean, it's going to, it's going to cut down costs for, uh, VR shows and products and experiences drastically um and i I know we're looking into trying to take uh my vr show glitched to like a tv audience uh just so we have you know continuously uh we're just continuously growing and we're trying to validate this medium in whatever way we possibly can yeah awesome um some really interesting points that you were making about uh, Journey VR and creating that yourself in CG. You have a bit of a background as well in motion design, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I have two associate's degrees. I have one in technical design and a fine art degree. And then I went ahead and got a bachelor's degree in YouTube studies, which was animation, video production, online marketing, and then I studied physics. Yeah. Do you think that having that background of being able to build these environments yourself was um, a key starting point? Or do you think that the tools there were such as Unity and Unreal Engine that if for those who aren't motion designers or 3D animators that it's at that level that they can jump into it? Or is it just a little bit too much, uh, too hard to build your own things at the moment? No, no, no. Um, I definitely think those skills are all transferable. Like, I built uh, my experiences the way that I did because I'd been using After Effects for, you know, eight years. And I can use Cinema 4D to, like, build those motion graphic assets and put them into place. Um, With Unity and Unreal, like, I don't know those programs to a professional level. Uh, but I can build models and stuff, work with a programmer that does or a dev that does, and that way I'm still able to contribute in that way. It's it's not so much that anything you want to go after is unlearnable. There is a little bit of a steep learning curve with anything in this industry as far as trying to obtain an expert level. You know, you got to put yeah. in your 10,000 hours, I would say. Yeah. So, But, you know, you shouldn't shy away. Like, if you want to build games, you know, there are so many tutorials online 
there, anything you want to learn, there is a 13-year-old boy with a webcam that can teach you how to do whatever you need to do. Yeah. So it's, it's unreal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I've been quite interested in VR from a 360 video point of view, which is sort of taking a little bit of a development with six degrees of freedom and um, Facebook sort of during 2017 sort of looking at the cameras that were available for, for filming that content. Six Degrees of Freedom is basically having a video, spherical video, but allowing the user to move around in that and having some um, uh, parallax movement as well. Um, have you had much experience with Six Degrees of Freedom or any thoughts of where that's heading in the near future? So I definitely think that um, I saw a video of this just godlike ability to move the camera around in real time, in real space, through like volumetric recording. And that just blew my mind, the fact that we're developing that technology right now. And so I can say in five years we are going to have volumetric 360 cameras at some point that will allow you to record from a single place but have enough data information to create 3D models from the environment around you that you can actually move around a little bit uh, as far as getting that six degrees of freedom. Like, that's not currently available with uh, 360 video. Yeah. But it is with, like major VR experiences like accounting or Into the Blue or Fantasynth. And we'll have some links to all of these um, online as well. Is that the Lytro um, cinema camera that you're talking about for that volumetric um, point cloud? Uh, it might be. Uh, I haven't... I, I just saw, like, the preview video. I've been kind of kind of busy with my own stuff right now no that's that's all good um i think i saw the same the same video and lightro um with the light field technology has been um some really interesting tech in capture for stills and video and over the past 10 years i'd I put them as one of the most influential companies, you know, read very much for the digital cinematography era. But Lytro is an exciting company that I'm always keeping an eye on and what they're doing and where they're putting that light field technology to use. So we'll have a link to the Lytro as well for the um, for everybody out there. Where, Eugene, are you looking to move in the near future and where do you think that you'll want to move with it in the long term? Or is that just, is everything shifting around too much? So near future, long term. No, no, no. Term. Uh, so, so I do have long term plans. Um, I eventually want to direct 360 like Pixar films. I think that's really where my heart is, is kind of drawing me to. So, you know, I build experiences kind of like the, uh, the Mario VR project that I did on my YouTube channel. Yep. Which... Uh, I checked it this morning. It has like 115,000 views on it, which is more than any video I've I've ever put out in my entire time on YouTube. And it's been like a month that it's been out. So I played uh, with that. <laughs> it's great. I was yeah, having a ball with that. It's nuts that it just kind of took off like that. We'll link to that as well. It's a lot of fun to um, have a play, and it's a um, great project. Nice work on that one. Oh, thank you very much. Um, so. 
are you going to be building more of those experiences in the near future you think or that's really you want to step it up to the Pixar level of filmmaking and focus on that for the long term so I have two projects down the horizon right now uh, one I'm actually currently working on a project called Proxima B uh, with a EDM artist out of Tokyo and it's, it's basically um, like a cyberpunk music video for that project um, and then I just got a, or we're reworking the contract right now with Maxon. Uh, they're going to be helping us out with uh, software and that sort of thing for the remake of my first college film, A Midnight Visit. I'm going to, it was, it was this, uh, this flash animation film I did uh, starring a cowboy uh, who is basically in purgatory. And he has a philosophical conversation with a vampire, a werewolf, and a demon about what is the true concept of evil and where does man fit into that. Um, when I put it up on Newgrounds, it took like their fifth place Daily Value Award. It, it got passed around a bunch. And that was like 2008. And so VR definitely wasn't around then, or at least not to the degree that it is now. And I, you know, turned to my co-host Topher Welsh and my the composer I work with, Adrian Delia, went, that needs to be my next project. That needs to be turned into a VR film. Uh, how can we get, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of software and the help that we need to actually make this sort of thing? And so it's going to take about a year. It's supposed to be the up to the level of like a Pixar studio. Awesome. And it'll be it'll be interesting to uh, live stream the entire creation process. So, awesome. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I have this, uh, this weekly show called Evening Coffee where I spend three to four hours every week where I live stream whatever I'm working on. And that way people can see my process, people can ask questions, and then if they feel so inclined, they can buy me a cup of coffee through a tip jar. Cool, cool. Well, I'll ask everybody out there to check that out and buy Eugene a coffee. I appreciate it. <laughs> we'll have links to that and everything else that we've been talking about on today's show in the show notes. And that's an opportunity for me to say a big thank you to Matt Lloyd, who's um, joined the team to do a lot more with the show notes that I didn't have the time to. So thanks, Matt, for all your hard work making the show notes great and getting all those juicy links in there. So I'd really ask everybody, check out all the links because they're all there and um, check out Eugene's um, shows, the streaming, but also Glitched. And yeah, really, really, really hope, Eugene, that when the project's out, I can get you back on the show and we can dive into um, your experience in the over this next year. Oh, I'd love to. And now it's time for the Pro Video Picks. First one up, Eugene, is the Pro Video Pick. What would be yours for this week? So Rocket Jump put out this video called Why CGI Sucks. And it's basically a love letter to the CGI uh, industry and how if a CGI uh, film is done really, really well, you don't know that it's a CGI film. So it's basically like... If they did their job, you don't know they existed. But if they didn't do a very good job, uh, everybody gets pissed off and people are like, oh man, you know, the the monkeys in that movie were totally fake. You could tell it was CGI. Or, 
the octopus monster was so unrealistic. And so going back to like um, when I first started uh, working in the industry, I did a lot of like motion design and VFX work. So I, you know, did a lot of like rotoscoping. You know, I took out um, things that weren't there. I added lasers coming out of people's eyes and... Uh, nobody would, people would only complain when I didn't do a good job or they would say nothing at all when it, oh, it looks great. You know, moving on to shipping, you know, let's yeah. go. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it, that video just resonated with me on such a high level. And, um, I've actually had drinks with, uh, Freddie Wong uh, a couple of years ago when he was in town. Uh, the VP of marketing over at Atari introduced us. And we ended up uh, getting drinks later on in the week. And just a cool guy to talk to. And all, basically everybody at Rocket Jump is just, you know, the cat's pajamas or whatever. <laughs> That's a really, really awesome link. Um, yeah, there's, there's some good examples of terrible CG in there. Scorpion King is probably at the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my my pro video pick for this week is an After Effects script. Um, I do love uh, scripts, and um, got to have Lloyd on the show one day. Um, tidy up, so tidy up allows you to remove unused elements really easily, which you can already do that by reducing your comps in After Effects. But what is really nice about this is you can also reorganize all of the content within your pro, uh, After Effects project. So you can have your footage go into a folder, audio, stills, vectors. The thing that I really like is you get to name those folders with what you would like. So across my whole team, we're running Tidy Up and we've got all the folders named the same way. So we've got a master's folder a pre-comps folder and with the click of a button it tidies it all up and if you've ever opened up someone else's project and gone what the heck is going on here you know that a one-click solution to have a tidy project is something that we all like so that's my pro video pick for this week i i may have to go check that out after the video because <laughs> i've definitely had that problem before <laughs> What I find too is like um, we'll be referencing a lot of different, um, especially for retail commercials and things, previous ads. So you're pulling in projects from five different places and yeah, you end up, you know, that, that thing of having way too many elements. So reducing it and then tidying it up after you've got what you need into your main comp, it's a real time saver. Okay. Who are you following online, Eugene? Who would you like to point out for the everybody out there? Um, I think Mike Delaquest or Mike Diva uh, is doing some really cool stuff. Uh, he just did a three-video series for the Los Angeles Metro that looks more like a, a fun Japanese commercial. And he did like a series of them with like a superheroes and a song and a monster on this transit. And it... it it's just so fun to watch awesome. that you're like all government commercials should look like this. <laughs> awesome. That's such a good one. Yeah. I'm going to shout out to Matt Lloyd and um, you can follow him on Twitter. Yeah. Just really, really stoked that you're helping us out with all the show notes. Matt's um, started with the Ryan Summers episode, which will um, hasn't quite released at the time of this recording. I record quite a bit in the future. So, uh, well, yeah, 
it takes me a wee while to get the shows out is what I'm trying to say. But Matt's been helping me out for a few weeks and it's just such a it's so awesome to have you come in and tidy up something that I leave in a giant mess. So thanks so much, Matt. You're making my life way easier, mate. And inspirational video. Really enjoy um, seeing what guests like to share here for everybody. So what, Eugene, is your inspirational video? Oh, uh, so there is a short called Scavengers, and it was put out by uh, Titmouse, I believe. And so it's it's this weird film about uh, some astronauts kind of lost on another planet, and they're kind of using the uh, biology of the planet to kind of take looks back home because they're, they're homesick. Sweet. I'm going to check that out as soon as I finish up here. Sounds awesome. My inspirational video for this week is Infinite Worlds. It's a collection of work by Philip Luck, who taught himself motion design tools and principles by creating one new looping animation every week throughout 2017, and he's taken them and put them into one video. It's an amazing collection of work. It's an epic montage and it's beautifully composited. The animation's slick, the texturing's wicked, and the lighting and rendering is just top-notch. If this was my record of 2017, I would be stoked. So check that out and all the other links, as I say, every week. Finally, mate, Eugene, where can everybody follow you online? So you can follow me on my Twitter, Cap on design or you can go to my youtube channel cap on design tv on the youtube channel i do my weekly evening coffee all the episodes of glitched get live streamed uh to the site Uh, i do vr gameplay videos uh just as kind of reference material and then i build vr projects for myself and for my my fans um which end up there if, if not the final product whether it be like my Mario VR project or Relax or something like that I always put up trailers to projects that I have for sale on Steam awesome wicked definitely definitely ask you all go check out that and join me on my Slack group our Slack group it's our community Pro Video <laughs> Podcast and also the Facebook group or Twitter you can follow us there but really, I'd love for you to share out this episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please do that. It really helps us so much of others out there who have similar interests join our community and share and partake to build this community stronger. I'm going to say a huge thank you so much, Eugene, for being on the show. Really enjoyed having you, mate. Hey, it was my pleasure. I'm so sorry. It's been over a month since I've done a recording and I am rusty ass. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not the slickest of podcast episodes. So thank you for your patience with me. Nah, you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, everybody out there, have a wicked week and we'll catch you next time. Okay. Bye. Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Pro Video Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes.